welcome to the She Will Shine podcast, where we bring you the real stories of female business owners. My name is Danielle Price and I'm the founder of She Will Shine, a supportive business network for women. It's time to give a voice to women in business and discover their journey. Hi everyone and welcome to the She Will Shine podcast. Today I have a very special guest, her name is Melissa Norfolk. And Melissa is the director of BitLoud Digital, a digital agency she created in 1998. That's 23 years ago, folks. Um, Melissa specializes in online lead generation through Google Ads and social media and leads a team in her, in her North Baldwin office to help her clients generate leads and be seen online. Hello, Melissa, welcome. Hi, Danielle, how are you going? I'm good. Thank you so much for joining us today. <laughs> Thank you. 23 years in business is a long time. Yeah, I'm starting to feel old, <laughs> especially, in the, especially in the internet space, but yeah. Wow. So I'm going to go back quite a while then to um, maybe high school days. Did you knew, did you knew, this is my tongue twisting today, did you know that you wanted to get into the digital space? No, well, obviously it was such a long time ago. I don't know that the internet much existed when I was in high school, but um, I know I got to having to pick subjects, had conversations with my parents. I didn't really know where I wanted to go, but I was very good at maths and science. And my dad kind of steered me towards computers and my school didn't even offer anything in computers. We didn't even even have a computer lab hardly, I don't think. So, yeah, we toyed with the idea of me changing schools for year 11 and 12 and my parents thought I would be, having gone to a single-sex school, that I would be far too distracted if I switched schools. There may be boys there, Melissa. (laughs) I know. So I stayed where I was and I did get accepted into computer science at La Trobe. Um, And, yeah, when I got there, there was... 400 guys and four girls and they'd all done computers at school and knew how to program in C and all sorts of things and I didn't even have a computer at home Um, so yeah it was a big learning curve. (laughs) Wow so going from a single sex school to being one of four amongst four was it four in 400? Yeah. And then also taking on this whole new concept how did you know if you hadn't really been exposed that much to computers how did you know that that was something that you wanted to follow I'm not really sure (laughs) I think I I just I did like technology and um I hadn't been exposed to it too much we had had an old apple 2e I remember I remember them yeah my dot matrix printer and my yeah it was very uh backward and it didn't have anything to do with the computer programming and things that I had to learn for uni. Um, But I think my dad said to me, look, I think this is where the future's going and if you're good at maths and science, start with this and see how you go. And so I did. (laughs) Smart man, very smart man. So how did that go? How did you find, you know, uni life and, you know, getting used to that social aspect as well as all the new um, technology, I guess, that we were confronted with? Yeah, well, I had to go out and buy a, my first PC and, um, yeah, and set that all up. Um, and, yeah, there's a lot less supervision, no one to hold you accountable at uni. And I had 38 contact hours, which is I did a double degree actually, which is a lot of 
contact hours. So I started out in computer science and electronic engineering and, you know, the art students had like eight contact hours a week and we had 38 and we were supposed to match that in time at home as well. So I'm not sure when we were meant to sleep, work, etc. <laughs> so it was very full on those first couple of years. And I had been good at maths at school. It was my best subject. We got to complex engineering maths and I just struggled. Um, so I ended up dropping the engineering and deciding one degree was better than none. <laughs> and, um, one sounds like a lot, yeah. And finished computer science. So, but, yeah, I was, I was hotly sought after socially. I kept getting messages pop up on my screen and um, all sorts of people tried to ask me out and, and I was, you know, the shy, quiet little girl from Catholic school that had hardly, you know, had a boyfriend. So, yeah. And that was before, you know, the texting times and all that as well. Yeah, we still have the old green screens in the labs that, and my, a, a chat window would pop up that somebody wants to chat to you and I'd go around to all the screens and try and figure out who it was. Yeah. I'm sure the boys used to go to the notice board and run their run their finger down the list and find the girls and <laughs> there weren't very many. <laughs> property right there. <laughs> yeah. So was that four years, a four-year degree? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And at that stage, any kind of inkling of running your own business or was it just soaking up all the education as possible? Yeah, no, not really. So my mum ran her own business and so I guess I'd been exposed to it a bit. Um, and, yeah, I had high, high hopes of doing something, not, not being a stay-at-home mum but having a career and using my degree. Um, so, yeah, so I ended up, I got recruited um, out of uni by a big company that no longer exists. <laughs> they had a 1,000 staff in Australia called Ferntree Computer Corporation and I was, like, hired before Christmas, got my summer off and didn't have to start till the 1st of Feb. And I think I was in an intake of about 30 graduates and I started and they got bought out by General Electric and it was basically, you know, last in, first out and by Easter... I didn't have a job. Oh, wow, only a few months. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit soul-destroying. You come out of uni all eager. Yeah. So, yeah, I was, and I think I was burnt because in the end what happened was they offered me a job back but on a contract and then um, all the while I was looking for something else because I didn't trust them. <laughs> I didn't feel stable. I didn't feel stable. Um, I felt like if they'd put me off like that it could happen again and so I started looking and that was probably around the time I started my business as well yeah oh wow so were you doing that on the side as you were contracting well I ended up um I met my hubby at uni and we got engaged and then I got a, my job at Melbourne University which was my next job and um we were trying to save for the wedding and for a house and all of those things. And my mum ran her own business, so I built her her first website and she was part of a women's networking group and word got out. Ended up building websites for a lot of the people in the group and it was just an on-the-side thing to earn a bit of cash and then 
yeah, after I'd been at Melbourne Uni six years, I got a bit sick of it. It was a bit like I felt like I was the only one doing any work. <laughs> it was a bit <laughs> like working for a government department and I was a hard worker and I got sick of it. So, um, yeah, I went to meet my accountant and my financial advisor and I said, I don't know what you think, but I've already got 50 clients on the side and this is how much I'm making. What do you think? And they said, go for it. So... I did, and I think within four months I'd put on my first staff member, which was just a part-time student who was helping me with admin. Um, and then not long after I hired my first graduate web designer to help me out. Do you think, how old were you at the time? At 21. So really, quite young. So when am I? No, I'm lying, 23, 23. Yeah, still, <laughs> still very young in my book. <laughs> Do you think because you were young, you know, now we kind of think, oh, I've got a high staff, oh, like a big scary prospect, but because you were young, you're kind of none the wiser. You're kind of like, oh, well, I've got to do it. Let's do it. You know, you don't have that kind of um, stress. As you get older, you worry more, in my opinion. Do you think that kind of helped being that age and jumping headfirst and getting people to help you out early on? Hiring a full-time employee was still scary, but... My, my first part-time employee was my sis, my younger sister and she just helped me with admin and bookkeeping and I knew that, yeah, I knew her so it, it felt safe. But then, yeah, when I got to having to put on a full-time person, I kind of went, okay, then I'm responsible for someone else's income and this has to, this has to work. So, yeah, that was still scary, I think. Yeah. <laughs> what, point, what point in the business do you think that was? What year, Mark? Yeah, it was within the first year. So, yeah, I'd, I'd grown pretty quickly. I was lucky when I left Melbourne Uni, they weren't keen for me to leave and they took a while to replace me. So I stayed on part-time for about four months. And like I say, at the end of those four months, I'd already put on an admin part-timer and then not long after, yeah, yeah, within the first six months, I'd put on my first full-timer. I was chatting to Hayley Robertson in a podcast episode prior to this one and she was saying how she had saved from her um, employment for a year or so before she made the leap into her own business. Do you think having that kind of financial assistance in those very early days helped the transition? Probably that I kept my job on the side for a little while um, definitely helped and that I had 50 clients already. Um, and word was kind of spreading because websites were all very new back then and everyone needed one and no one knew someone who could build them one. And so word spread. And to start with, a lot of my clients were women. Um, and, yeah, now there are all sorts. Now these days I've got about 450. Um, and I probably specialised for a while in just service-based businesses, but now I do all sorts Doing everything from hearing aids to active wear to smash repairs to carpet to everything. <laughs> everything in between. <laughs> so in the years that follow, you had a team of two, so another full-time and a part-time. What did you kind of find in those, say, for one to five years were the biggest challenges? I think the whole way through people are really hard because... I went with hiring graduates straight out of uni and training them up and I thought that if I hired another one every one to two years that if the previous one moved on that I'd always have someone. But, yeah, that that didn't always work because 
um, they wanted too much money after the first year, especially for a small business, they would start on a graduate salary and then their first annual review, they would expect their salary to double. And as a small business, I just couldn't make those kind of wages, especially at the start. Um, so, yeah, I, I built to a team of about seven. I had seven of us. I moved the business out of home. Um, we've been here probably 15 years. Just before I started my family and, um, yeah, I, I worked with a business coach before making that move and got their help to hire a, a business manager to run things while I had my kids and I had varying success with that. <laughs> but, yeah. So how many? Are the ch most challenging, I'd say. Yeah. Employees, yeah. How many years did you take out of the business when you had your kids? I didn't, yeah. <laughs> so I took, um, with both, I took about eight weeks off, maybe it was eight to 12 weeks off, uh, and then I came back and initially only part-time, so I would might do just two half days um, where I'd come into the office and my kids went to childcare across the road from my office and I breastfed a fair way and so I would... Um, feed them, drop them off for four hours, three to four hours, and go and pick them up and go home. Um, and I didn't really come back to long days till they were one, yeah. Yeah. Did you find that hard? Because, you know, obviously when you're in a, as a business owner, you're so entrenched in the business to kind of have to take that little step back. Was that difficult? And trust yeah. other people, I guess, as well, while you're not there. Yeah, I guess I felt like I couldn't really. So yeah, I had a ter I had a terrible time actually. So I lost all seven staff almost at the time my first child was born, one after the other. And so I was very much having to be in the business, replacing and pay and, and making sure work was getting out. And um, so yeah, I found it very hard when I had my first child. By the time I had. My second child, Alicia, I had learnt the, lesson, <laughs> the lessons and I have a, a good manager who's now still with me um, and has been with me about 14 years, so I'm lucky, yeah. Yeah. What do you think, apart from obviously the HR kind of aspects of um, staff, personally, was there, you know, was there thoughts of, can I do this? Um, is this working? You know what I mean? Because sometimes it's one step forward, two steps back, and along the journey, there's these roller coaster ride. What did you find personally the most difficult? I definitely wanted to do it. I didn't have much hesitation that I could do it, but then it was the juggle and the guilt, mum guilt, and the about dropping the kids at childcare and all of those things, and maybe not being as much of a cleaner cook at home because I have a business. Um, yeah, even today, those things plague me. This last year I've been incredibly busy um, and my hubby's been working from home, so he's done a lot more of the drop-off and pickups and cooking of dinner and washing of clothes. But I told myself it was his turn. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as it should be. It's a partnership. Okay for a year. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but now that office has gone back and I'm feeling that pressure to get back to that and my workload hasn't dropped, yeah. Yeah. And do you think, um, like, having the staff there, so obviously you've got that one employee that stayed with you, 
having someone that you can rely on has helped through that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And but you're constantly worried that, you know, that person you're relying on might leave or whatever. Um, but I've been really blessed with a stable team. I've got two that have been with me more than one's been with me 12 years, one's been with me 14 years. Was there any point in that time when things got hard that you kind of thought, that's it, I'm going to walk away? Yeah, probably, yeah, probably about four years ago now. Yeah, I was, re- I think I'd given myself one more year and if I can't, I think things got hard because technology was changing, things were moving to the cloud, less people needed help to build websites. They all thought they could go out and build their own. Um, but then they were coming to me for the itsy-bitsy annoying support that I didn't really enjoy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we, I think we changed direction and went, listened to the market, went where the demand was, but also in what we enjoyed. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I think I, I gave myself an ultimatum, I'm going to give this two more years, and if I'm not able to generate a decent income, profit, and pay myself a decent income, then I'm going to chuck it all in. <laughs> yeah. This is and do you, think, do you think that's what it, it's always the financial pressure that's kind of been the hardest? Yeah, because we have rent to pay and bills to pay and staff to pay. Yeah, so I, I still, well, maybe not so much now, but for a long time there I still thought I'd make more out of this if it was just me at home. And I know a lot of business people feel like that way, stay at home. Um, businesses that stay at home, they think, God, the complexity of paying staff, paying rent, etc., is just all too much pressure. Yeah. And uh, I did feel for a long time that, yeah, if I if I just chucked it all in and went back home, I'd be making more money. <laughs> yeah, no, I never wanted to be massive. I think my goal was, you know, maximum of 10 staff, more likely around about five, just the team so that we um, could back each other up, take holidays, do what we love, but have a good lifestyle. Um, and I, yeah, and I took it on because being a mum, I did want to be home sometimes (laughs) and not just always working. And if I shared the load and got it out of home and separated from home, then I would have my work to go to and my family to come home to. And yeah, I've I've had it pretty lucky the last few years and things have definitely improved. I won't say luck, Melissa, because you've worked hard to get where you are now. I know that. Um, But you touched on earlier how you were saying that technology was changing. So first you were doing websites and then people's needs changed. How did you kind of, I guess you'd have to continually, technology continues to evolve and change. Is education a huge thing for yourself as you kind of move with the times to get your business Every time a new new phone or device comes out, you know, everything changes in terms of the size. You have to design things. And then, yeah, even just Google, changing things all the time and then things happen in the media like the big news blow-up lately where Google threatened to pull out of Australia. All sorts of things happen that you go, oh, my God, things are changing very fast. Yeah. Is that hard to set that time aside to do that education when the business is so busy? 
Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. So we do kind of learn on the fly, learn as we go. If we if we have to, we do take time out in the over the summer months to uh, upskill. Um, but other than that, we're pretty busy all year through. Yeah. And your kids now, how old are they? Alicia's 10 and, and Ben's 13. Um, ben, yeah, started year seven last year in the middle of COVID and went to a new school with not a lot of friends from his school, but he's done really well. Um, and, yeah, I have a little niece. I don't know if it's the red hair or my husband tells me it's my personality, but, yeah, she's going to give me a run for my money. She's very I love it. stubborn and determined, <laughs> probably just like her mother. <laughs> I was about to say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> <laughs> what do they think about what you do like do they kind of compare I know because my kids especially my youngest when she was a little bit younger she used to say oh daddy has to go if daddy wants time off he's got to ask the boss but mum is the boss so she can decide what she wants to do do you know what I mean like what do your kids think when they see you you know now you've built a team around you you go to work in an office do they make any comments yeah Definitely. I think they just treat it as normal because I've done it ever since they've been born. I think they like it that mum's the boss. Um, I think it's given them a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit too. So my son Ben, when he was eight, started a fidget spinner business when fidget spinners were hot and did all the markets and had his own website. And, and Alicia's talking about starting her own dog walking business. And so they know that if there's yeah if there's something they want they know they have to work hard and earn it and so yeah I like that they have that understanding yeah Alicia actually helped me for the first time with some work on the weekend because she's into Canva and and create she's very creative and so I had her help me do all my Easter trading tiles for all my social media clients and just for a bit of fun really but yeah she just had fun decorating some tiles and she said, are you actually going to use the mum? I said, oh, thank you. I think I will. So I've used a couple. <laughs> I was going to say, she's going to want a pay, you know, part of the she's part of the team now. <laughs> yeah, that's what my husband said. How much does she get paid? Yeah. Make it all legit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you ever think when you started that you would sort of, your business would be going after 23 years? No, <laughs> no. And I probably didn't think, oh, maybe I did. But when I first started that I'd move it out of home, but um, it was pretty clear to me that I enjoyed it and I wanted to continue it and make something of it. And even when times got tough, I think I thought that this is my thing, this is what I love. And uh, when the kids are, you know, through school and finish school, they won't want me and what will I have if I chuck it all in, um, chuck in what, I, what, what I'm passionate about. So I thought through some of those tough times and here I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you also do, like, obviously you're very invested in time in your business, but you do a lot of networking as well. Yeah, so I probably got that. I don't know from my mum because she'd done a bit of networking. Um, so, yeah, the first thing I did was went along to her network and then looked for other networks in the area because my initial clients were all over the place and I was travelling from, I live at Eltham, 
in the northeastern suburbs and I was travelling to Clayton and Brighton and all over the place to see people and I decided I didn't want to do that much travel. So I started networking closer to home so that I could pick up some clients closer to home um, and, yeah, it, it really worked. So initially I used to attend 10 networking functions a month Wow. Um, and I did that pretty consistently. I'd pick them out strategically so that I had ones that were referral-based like B&I. Um, I also had my professional body um, and I also then just picked out, I had a women's one and then I picked out ones where I liked what the speakers had to say to keep educated, etc. cetera, um, so I went to industry ones, the Google ran and things like that. So, yeah, I would pick out 10 a month for a very long time up, up until I had the kids and then I couldn't keep up with all the, the breakfasts and the nights and the lunches and get my work done and breastfeed and not sleep and all those things. <laughs> <laughs> I understand completely. But, yeah, you've continued it though, haven't you? Like you obviously don't do it to that extent, extreme, but you've always seen a bit of the big value in networking. Yeah, and it's all about relationships. So, like, I'm not one who just goes to lots and I'm a one-time drop-in. So, like, I, I at the moment I've picked out the counts, all the council-run events near my office and all the council-run events near my home, and I say I'm going to go to every single event for a year and I'm going to get to know people and I'm going to see what comes of it and I make a bit of a commitment because I don't think it's just show up and give your spiel and hand everyone your business card that's really puts people off with networking. I think it really is about getting to know people, helping people um, before, yeah, and then when they have a need for what you offer, they remember you because of that rather than just the person who shows up and passes around their business cards. <laughs> yeah, it's about the conversation that you have with them and the yeah. connection that you form, yeah. Have you seen that change? Because I think about when I first started and when I first started networking, and I think networking events have evolved as well because at the start I think it was a bit more about, yes, here's my business card, whereas now it's more about the conversations and people are really seeing the value in getting to know other people and not just for an instant referral but to just broaden their network and have conversations with like-minded people. Yeah, well, the, I, I'm in Buandara where my office is and they run some really good events. They have just like once a month drinks and where you attend at the council offices. And, yeah, the people that go along to that, so might not they might have a maximum of 20 people. Sometimes I've been and there's only been 12 people in the room. But, oh, my goodness, it's been so good because then you have more really good conversations with people rather than, um, just have, feeling like you have to whiz around and introduce yourself to a few people. I've had some really valuable conversations. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it is, even though I've got staff and that, it is lonely in business sometimes. It's good to hear from other businesses that they're struggling with similar things. Um, yeah. Yeah. We've spoken about some of the challenges. What do you think maybe pick three I'm sure there's a lot because 23 years is a long time. But what do you think were the highlights and at what point did they happen in the business? Um, 
moving into an office was a big step for me and I was absolutely determined even though my business coach was telling me I was moving a bit quickly but I and the same with putting on staff I was like well you've got to make the room for it rather than wait till you're ready and you're inundated (laughs) so um yeah that was a big step for me then definitely finding my business manager Matt now he's now a shareholder in the business and um really a partner uh, in the business. Um, we see he wasn't my first business manager, but we see really eye to eye. We have very similar beliefs. His family's at a similar stage. So, um, yeah, we, we really get along. Um, and the other is probably writing my book and doing some speaking as a result of that. So I got asked by Wiley to write one of the For Dummies series and it got sold in Australia and New Zealand and I had a um, publicist who I did a trip to New Zealand and I had interview, you know, media interviews and radio interviews booked and that was a really good experience. And if I hadn't, I mean, I'd always thought about writing a book but because the technology moves so fast, I thought by the time it's printed, what I've got to say will be out of date. So Obsolete already. So when Wiley... Um, funded it and put it in all the bookshops in Australia and New Zealand, I thought, well, what an opportunity. So um, definitely that was that was a highlight for me as well. Was that, um, like, was that kind of one of those moments where you're like, wow, you know what I mean? Like just have someone else show that belief in you to approach you to do that. Was that one of those, you know, you kind of like, oh, Okay, like you got the office and you're sitting there going, oh, this is good. Okay, yeah, I've got I've got staff, it's good. Was that one of those, oh, you know, real kind of self, um, self-confidence self kind of points in your journey? Yeah, well, I had been getting asked to speak and interviewed by the media a lot because I started so early in the internet game and I guess I was seen as a bit of an expert or as a leader, but that's hard when they ring you up and they say, I hear you're an expert. And I go, am I? Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, I think they had they'd seen, seen me in media and had me recommended as an expert in my field. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely flattering. I was about eight months pregnant with my first child at the time and I thought, oh, I'm going to have all this time off. I'll be able to write a book. And, of course, everything happened that year. It was, it was a very busy hell of a year. Yeah. yeah. And so where to from now? Like where to at this point? You've got you survived through COVID and you've done it amazingly well. Yeah, I probably am at the point of needing to hire again and still a little bit scared to do that. It's been scary to me to think about putting people on in the middle of a pandemic because I haven't known if... It's all too good to be true and the business is going to crash or the economy is going to crash. But then also hiring during the second lockdown, potentially having to hire someone without physically meeting them um, was very scary. <laughs> so, but, yeah, I probably, I probably need a little more help. Yeah. Did you think because um, obviously what we've been through the last 12 months, did you feel that the business had to pivot? Or was it just an extension of the services that you were already offering? Yeah, it was like all of a sudden people realised they needed me. Um, 
and some a lot of them I might have been talking to for over a couple of years, but they'd been too busy in their own businesses or families and procrastinating and procrastinating. And then this hit and they kind of went, it's time, it's time enough putting it off because either their physical shop front was closed and they needed to have a digital presence or they'd known they needed to do it for a while and they didn't have the time. And because they're at home and they had more time to commit to it, they were able to get it done. Even even websites, we've built more websites in the last 12 months than we've already had in the last five years because all of a sudden people realise I need one of these website things. I know I said I was going to build it myself, but you're better at it. Let's get it done. Um, and people have been making decisions quicker and moving quicker. Um, it's almost like they've not, it's a bit like we're coming to the end kind of stuff. When something like this happens, people re reconsider, you know, everything and decide what's important and it's time to get it done. Yeah. Was that hard on you, having that extra pressure during such a, well, we all kind of went through our emotions and we all handled it in different ways, but was that hard having that, you know, it's great that the business is booming, but is it necessarily the best time for it to be booming? The, the second lockdown last year was hard with hubby and both kids at home and I was hardly sleeping because I'd be trying to support the kids through their learning till 3 o'clock and then working from, you know, 3 p.m. till 1 a.m., trying to get all the work done. And I felt pressure from some of my clients as well because they were needed my help. I felt like they needed my help. They were not managing so well and they were depending on me. So I did feel like a lot of people were depending on me, yeah. And that's tough when you've kind of got to factor in that you, you matter as well within all that craziness. Yeah, I still haven't really taken a holiday, but I'll get there. <laughs> okay, I'm going to hold you accountable to that one. <laughs> Looking back this year, 23 years, yeah, are you proud of what you've achieved? Absolutely. I've been able to employ people, do what I love, have a family, um, and, yeah, I'm proud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Melissa. I love listening to your story because it has, you know, like, the kind of, I took time out to have my kids and was working at the same time. You know what I mean? Like there's so many similarities, but yours is like I think my small business story is maybe 12 years now and yours is double that. So it's really interesting to see how it's changed, well, what the similarities are and how it's changed in that time as well. So thank you for sharing that. I know our listeners are really going to enjoy hearing all about it. So thank you for your time. No, thanks for having me. And I shall look forward to interviewing you again. What, 40 year, 40 year mark? <laughs> Goodness me. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time, Melissa. I really look forward to chatting to you again soon. No worries. Thanks, Lena. And thank you to everybody for joining us today. I hope you've enjoyed Melissa's story as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you. We will be back with another episode very soon. See you later. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode of the She Will Shine podcast, we invite you to check out shewillshine.com.au. She Will Shine is the essential support network you need to grow a thriving, meaningful business. We can help you grow your network, connect and develop genuine relationships, be supported and support others in building and growing a successful business on your terms. 
Say goodbye to working alone and become a member at sheWillshine.com.au.